Hey, you, you want to see something really scary? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? Hey, Spence, let's trip out. What's your favorite scary movie? What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? We all go a little mad sometimes. I see dead people. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. This is... Movie. Show. Theater. Hey, Film Files. Welcome back. It has been a while, hasn't it? It has. But we're back with purpose and with meaning tonight because I had a good idea. And like all my good ideas, it came completely from my wife. Tonight, we are going to be talking about Halloween and we're going to hear about Halloween from the female gaze. So I'm going to pass it over to my wife and I want her to kind of explain how we got here. But I just want to mention a couple formalities. Uh, This version of Halloween, it was the 1978 Halloween directed by John Carpenter. Um, It was also written by him and his wife. Uh, He also did the music. The budget was $320,000. The box office gross was $47 million. And I had to calculate that because I don't know how much that is in 1978 money. So $47 million adjusted for gross inflation in 2021 would be over $187 billion. It's often called the first slasher. It's not technically true. The first slasher was this movie called Black Christmas from 1974 that was directed by the guy who also directed A Christmas Story, which is fun. And uh, the, the true film purists will call Psycho the first slasher, but this one definitely gave birth to a lot of things. So why are we talking about this movie? Because Jimmy, doesn't your wife not really enjoy horror movies that much? That is true. So I'm going to let her explain what she's thinking. Well, hi, everybody. This is Jimmy's wife. My name is Anna. And it's true that horror movies are not my favorite. I have watched many of them in the 10 years that Jimmy and I have been together, largely due to to the fact that we strike bargains with each other about what movie we're going to watch and usually Jimmy picks a horror movie. So I've seen a lot in the last 10 years and I've gotten a lot braver. The fear aspect of it isn't really a thing for me anymore. Like I I can separate real life from the movie. I can't remember the last time we watched something that like really scared me so bad it stuck with me. But the reason that I came up with this experiment in watching all of the Halloween movies is because we saw the trailer for Halloween Kills, the one coming out this year in 2021. And I made a comment about how I'd never seen any of the Halloween movies. And that was the one horror, I guess, uh, dynasty that I had no history with. I had no idea other than Michael Myers being the killer and Jamie Lee Curtis being the main character. I had no other context for the films. Like, I don't know. I know that he's apparently a very tough person to kill because he just keeps coming back. But it's like, you know, I, I would watch these. We, sh- we should do uh, a little experiment where we watch them all together. And since I have no idea how they start, how they end, where they go, what the creative direction is of these, this would be a fun thing to do leading up to Halloween Kills 2021 and start to, well, like, July ease our way into a fall mood so we watched halloween the 1978 one tonight and uh yeah it was an interesting experience i'll let jimmy uh kick it off and then we'll i guess like talk through our thoughts 
So the last time I saw this movie it was with Ben Snowden. We saw it in one of those phantom events maybe eight years ago. And that was the first time I'd seen it in maybe 10 years. So I love this movie, but I'm not oblivious to the many, many faults and flaws um, of this movie and the inconsistencies too. So these might be uh, some talking points for my wife to speak on, but I love, I love watching horror movies and there are so many tropes and cliches in slasher films throughout the years through all of the Halloween, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream. You could think of like 20 tropes and cliches, and they all happen in this movie, you know, like one of the first movies. Um, but nobody really was asking questions because nobody really knew what a slasher was, so nobody knew, obviously, what these tropes are. Um, but horror movies really hate women sometimes. They have like a really mean attitude against women and portray them as like objects, weak, accessories... And women just tend to get killed in really, like, just mean-spirited ways. And although this movie, the acting was uh, passable at best, I think some of the females, the, the acting wasn't great. But it's not because they were, I don't think they were supposed to be unlikable. So ha- half of this movie's $300,000 budget was spent on the the Panavision cameras, because this movie looks really good for 1978. And with ratios, like aspect ratios, the common one is like, it's 16 colon 9 aspect ratio, and the 16 is referring to the width of the screen, and the 9 is referring to the height of the screen. So this was like the really fancy 2.35 to 1 scope. So like 2.35 wide by one high I, it was it was filmed to look good in theaters so most of that was uh spent on on the cameras so one of the things that i i read about john carpenter is that he wanted the shape as he's build to not have motivation and to not say anything and to not have emotions or personality like really doesn't want you to relate to this character in any way and that was like one of his huge talking points. But the opening scene has like a point of view from behind this mask as he watches his sister undress. So you're kind of like forced to take his perspective, which is a little contradictory. And uh, people used to always joke about how this movie, sex gets you killed. And this is one of the slasher tropes is that if you have sex in a movie, in a horror movie, you're going to die. And... John Carpenter's stance was that these teens were just so horny and excited to get laid that they didn't pay attention to the killer that was right behind him. But Lori's wardrobe is so modest. There's not like an inch of skin showing. So it is kind of contradictory. There's so many different reasons why what he said does not really hold a lot of weight against the uh, virginity theory. So yeah, I guess we'll just get we'll just get first impressions with Anna. Okay, I've been told to be honest. So went into this not knowing anything, and I will say I had no expectations. Like I, my expectations weren't high, they weren't low. I just said I'm gonna watch this movie, and I'm gonna take it for what it is. And first impressions. So let's talk about the positive things. So first impressions are, it's really well shot. Like Jimmy said, uh, it didn't feel really dated in the camera work which is sometimes like such a cheesy flaw for some of the movies that we watched that are take place in like 
you know, the 90s and before that it like it just looks like really cheap and weird. But this one doesn't. I mean, obviously, it takes place in the 70s. So, you know, wardrobe, cars, all that it looks different. But it's really uh, a well shot movie and it feels that way. It feels way more expensive than it is. The tension throughout this is movie is great. John Carpenter does a great job of building that feeling of dread up to the final showdown between Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Laurie and Michael Myers. So that's really, really key for a horror film, obviously. And some of the newer horror movies in particular really rely on the jump scare to keep you engaged. And this movie does not do that. And I think jump scares can be kind of a cheap trick in horror, you know, just constantly trying to one up you with like ridiculous shit that jumps out from behind a, a, a door or a bush or whatever. And that is not what this movie is about. So that was a nice surprise. There's a couple of moments that make you, ooh, you know, jump out of your seat a little, spook you a little bit, but not like more modern movies do. Uh, and so I think that that, that tension building uh, is really masterful on Carpenter's part. I also love that this is like the birth of the everywhere and nowhere man. I love that Michael Myers somehow does not run. He does not move quickly. He is a big, slow moving hunk of beef. And he yet somehow is very hard to track down. Like he is there and then he's gone. But he must have like, did he move quick? maybe not like we never see Michael Myers run or like rush he's there and then he's not and he just disappears like it's nothing and I find that really entertaining it's silly it's that requires the suspension of disbelief because it's like okay how did this he looks like he's about six five he's a big dude and he's broad got broad shoulders so like how does he keep just like evaporating and nobody can find him because it's he's not like we don't ever see him hide but you know whatever just roll with it right like it's part of it's part of the whole experience and of course little jamie lee curtis is a really fun to watch she's the best actor aside from the doctor um but even then like i mean this movie is not about the acting chops of the people it really it's pretty cringy and the dialogue at times is just like ridiculous but She's really fun to watch. And it's cool to see that, like, you know, she built a whole career out of that film. So good for her. Uh, some of the things that I thought were really silly and kind of took or took me out of it or were not the best. Um, OK, this is a little nitpicky, but this whole film takes place in a fictional town of Haddonfield, Illinois, on Halloween. And if anybody's ever been to the Midwest, specifically Illinois in October, it looks like the fall. I say this as someone currently living in Chicago, we have fall foliage. The weather is cool. It looks like the fall. And it does not at all look like that in the movie itself. And I think this is a huge missed opportunity to set some ambiance. Because aside from like people like randomly carrying around a single jack-o'-lantern, there's no Halloween mood elements to it. And that really that really bugged me. I know now Halloween is more of a decorative thing than it was in the 70s. And like, you can't like, I'm sure Hobby Lobby has all of their Halloween stuff out already. But the fact that it was all green grass and green trees, and there's like a couple of scenes where there's some fall, like dead leaves flowing around them. Jimmy told me that as a fun fact for this film, those leaves were hand painted fake 
and they would had to reuse them for different shots. So they, they weren't even real. So I'm sure the movie was filmed in California, as most movies uh, of that time were. And they just it was a huge missed opportunity for set decoration. It did not. I was like, OK, this is not Illinois, but whatever. Let's roll with it. So the movie itself, like it got an R rating. One of the first scenes is from the point of view of young Michael sees his sister sitting at her vanity after having sex with her boyfriend in her underwear, brushing her hair with no bra on. So it's just boobs. And I am like, okay, that's ridiculous. Like, first of all, what teenage girl is leaving her door open as she half nude brushes her hair? Like, this is just, that's not what women do after having sex what is this some sort of like twisted Disney princess thing where we like sit in front of a vanity and brush our hair and but with our tits out like that's not how this works and so that kind of cheapens the whole thing I was like okay this is silly and we we do see some boobs in this and so you know and it's a slasher film so it needs an R rating but there is a, a strange absence of any gore at all and that was another missed opportunity I think I don't think horror films need to be like saw level gross where we just see guts and body parts coming off and just like that body horror shock value, yuck, disgusting kind of makes you a little bit nauseous. Like I don't even like to watch that those scenes, but this is a man with a big, big knife walking around, like cutting people's throats and there's like no blood anywhere. And I was like, okay, we're, this is, this is strange. So I think that was a big missed opportunity to even just set the tone for like, this is a horror film. I think really beyond those things, this really, I understand is not the first slasher film, but it feels like it for like the new modern slasher film, because those get churned out like a few a year now and have for the last like 10 years. We see trailers. We watch a lot of trailers in this house. That's big. It's a big part of our nightly routine. And we watch trailers for these horror films that are a lot of the, you know, so many slasher films. Then of course, like the quintessential 90 slashers scream. I know you did last summer, all of those. And those you can tell were so obviously inspired by Halloween. And it really, it, it made a lasting legacy in the film world. And I, I admire that. Um, and I'm excited to see where it goes. I have no idea what this, I mean, obviously Michael Myers survives. He, this is a very tough fucker to kill. He just keeps coming back. It's been like 11, was it 11 movies? He's in 11 movies of trying to kill this man and he will just not die. And I'm curious to see how they keep trying to kill him. Like, how creative can they get with this? I know that there's, like, I think you said movies three and four are not that good or something. I still, I want to watch the shitty ones, too. Like, what, how ridiculous do you make this? Like, where, where do we go with this story? Because they clearly, like, aside from the core horror fans of the world, and I know there are some very dedicated horror movie buffs and people who just really love this, but, like, they keep making enough money to keep making these movies. So there's something good there, and I'm, I want to know. I want to be a part of that. But I will say that this movie is the pinnacle of bad decisions in a horror film. I have never seen so many people make the dumbest decisions ever. Like as soon as we get past like the prologue of young Michael killing his sister and we have the doctor and the nurse driving to the mental institution, it just, it goes off the rails. Like everybody is so stupid. They are driving this car in the rain in the dark they come up on the mental institution while, and for some reason in this like really bad storm, 
there are just like patients like wandering the grounds like sheep grazing in a field. It doesn't that doesn't make any sense. So what do they decide to do rather than like pull all the way up to the front of the institution? They stop the car in the rain in the dark. He gets out and she stays in the car and he goes to use the phone or in this like the single lamplight. And then like a patient like climbs on the car. Very freaky. And she, what does she decide to do? She rolls down the window and like sticks her head out to see the like, Who's the man on top of my car? It's This is like the jail for violent mental institution people, you know? And of course, this like a psycho character like grabs her head and gets violent. So what does she do? She didn't put the car in park, apparently. She like hits the gas and the brakes and like the car jerks around. This Her and this man are fighting. And then she decides to get out of the car. Oh, it's Michael. The, duh, it's Michael that does this. She gets out of the car and like, stumbles down the hill, gives him plenty of room to take the car, and he goes. And this is how Michael Myers escapes, because it's like these two, like we have a, a psychiatric nurse and a doctor who's been treating Michael Myers and is assumingly has, has been here before. She's like a stripper nurse. Yeah, and she, yeah, her costume, I'm like, oh, is this a joke? Like, is she a, a stripper nurse? No. So it's like, okay, off to a great start. Everybody's really stupid. And then Loomis himself, the doctor, makes so many dumb decisions throughout this movie that I'm like, are you really a doctor? So he's trying to convince everybody that Michael is dangerous and nobody will listen. But at the same time, he doesn't want the entire town police force looking for Michael for some reason. And I know that you said the justification was they didn't want to spook him off. And I'm like, isn't that the point? He like murders three people in one night. So he's like, don't alert your men. They'll see him on every corner. And I'm, but I'm like, what? His choice is to literally wait outside of Michael's house for most of Halloween night, waiting for him to come back. Just like standing outside in a bush. This is what this man does for like three quarters of the movie. And then for some reason he decides it's time for me to walk. Oh, he finally sees the car. He's been standing in front of the house for like hours and he finally sees the car that Michael stole which apparently has been parked like less than a block down all night because Michael's been tormenting these teenagers like a couple blocks down so he's not been driving anywhere he's been parked so he finally sees it like come on dude and then he decides I'm just gonna walk the neighborhood and that's what this man does is he just starts ambling through the neighborhood like we don't have any kind of like we have the sheriff is like kind of helping him look and like half believes him and he's just so dumb and then the teenagers of course nobody can assume that teenagers are going to make smart choices in these movies jamie lee curtis's character is the only one who uh has like half a brain but her friends are really stupid and they are kind of unlikable the one that gets murdered after spilling butter all over her shirt the like the the one that gets butter on her clothes takes all of her clothes off in the kitchen of the house that she's babysitting in. She just takes all of her clothes off and throws on, like, a guessing, like, the dad's shirt and then, like, manages to lock herself into the garage where the washing machine is and, like, can't get out the window. I'm like, girl, just move, move the rack that's, like, in front of the window. Come on, girl. So she's really stupid and she's very unlikable. So, frankly, she kind of deserved what she got. But then Jamie Lee Curtis herself... When she stabs Michael with the sewing needle in the neck, she's like holding the knife. She looks behind the couch. He's down. 
I don't know why you would think that a single sewing needle to the neck would kill a man, but wouldn't you not make sure that he was dead dead? Maybe I'm just too used to modern horror films where characters would get really violent about it and they would make sure that that, you know, like this was conservative on the violence, but that drove me nuts. And I was like, why wouldn't you make sure this man who murdered three of your friends and has followed you into the house, has been following you all day, and you're responsible for the lives of two children, you just shove it, you just shove a sewing needle in his neck, he pulls it out, falls down, and you're like, that's it. No. And then she like, in the showdown, she like locks herself into, literally backs herself into a corner. She's a teenager, so we'll give her a little bit of leeway. But I'm like, come on, girl. I know that like the, the horror movie spoofs that came out, especially in the 2000s, made fun of how dumb people are in horror movies and this was a really great example of like you have a mental patient like a true psycho who's been locked up his entire adult life who let's assume he can't read he has no life skills he can't drive well apparently he can drive apparently he learned his like one mo in life is to stab people and somehow he keeps outsmarting people and i'm like what is wrong with you uh yeah i realize that it is so hard to adapt the standards and expectations of 1978 and not apply my standards from 2021 because this movie has a 96 percent on rotten tomatoes it's heralded as a masterpiece by anyone who's ever seen a movie and i said that i love this movie and i do i wouldn't call it a masterpiece but nostalgia plays such a huge role like i always make the joke that nostalgia clouds my judgment and there were so many things about this movie that, I mean, I've only, it, I, I saw it eight years ago, but I always remembered Michael when he takes his mask off at the end, he gets his mask pulled off. I remembered him being like a deformed monster and he's not at all. He's got like a little wound from where the coat hanger poked him in the eyeball and, uh, that's, and that's pretty much it. And I remember this movie just being like relentlessly terrifying and Anna spoke on the suspense and I will attest to that but most of the movie is just him watching the main characters from a distance and that in and of itself is not scary but plays a huge role in in you know obviously building the suspense um but Anna also talked about the the jack-in-the-box scares in a lot of horror movies that we see all the time in Jaws there's a head that floats out of a boat and it, it makes you jump and it's it's easy and it's somewhat effective but um, the one that I really like uh, is called the, the Still Shock. And The Shining is full of them. It's like the twins in the hallway when he sees them. And then at the end of the movie, the whole hall is full of skeletons. And it's not a jump scare, but it's imagery that sticks with you. And it lingers with you. And I like Halloween because it has both of them. has both of those kind of scares. Like one of the the really creepy pieces of imagery is at the very beginning when they pull up to the psychiatric hospital and it's like pouring down rain and you can barely see the background because dude didn't have any money for lights um john carpenter and you just see these like patients randomly walking around yeah but that is so ridiculous why are they like just grazing in the field like sheep it drives me nuts who just like let them out in a storm you know what i mean why did everybody escape from the institution on that night well because i think michael orchestrated it somehow and he was just trying to get himself out and in the process everybody just like wandered out but like in the beginning 
Anna was talking about how Michael drives off. And it's like when they're writing the script and they're coming up with these ideas, they're like, well, we need to have Michael drive off in the car. That's how this scene has to end. So Loomis has to get out and make a call that means nothing. And then the nurse uh, does her whole stupid thing and then she gets out and then Michael gets in and drives off. And then that's the end of the scene. It's like nobody stopped for a second and was like, wait a minute, would that really happen though? I mean, like, let's think about the logistics of this. Uh, but again, it's like, you know, the, the first real slasher. So like, we all wonder, we all love to make fun of these tropes. Well, like now we know where they came from. But um, I like that he's not, he has no motivation. You know, like some of the big horror movies that came before this were The Exorcist, which was obviously religiously charged and all of this fear and scare scenes took place in the bedroom. And then there was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where these teens who were far more stupid than the teens in Halloween wander onto the property of the crazy family that chops everybody up. And in Friday the 13th, this boy drowns and then seeks revenge on the lifeguards. So there's like, there's motives behind all of that. And there's stories where stupid people go to these scary situations. But I appreciate Halloween because it was the first one where like the evil comes to you and they try to make these streets look like any normal street. And the fact that he's stalking Lori, well, I guess he stalks everybody, but like, what did Lori do to deserve it? Aside from just drop keys off at the Myers house in the beginning, because the first interaction between the two, she drops keys off at the house and he's in the house and he watches her, but he has no idea that she's a babysitter. So it's not like he hates babysitters. I think that's one of the scariest parts about Michael is that there's like no rhyme or reason as to why he fixates on Lori or really anybody. I will say that like the fact that he, it's like a, it seems like it's a woman thing for him that he gets so obsessed with, like first he kills his sister and then he becomes obsessed with Lori. I mean, he kills a boyfriend. He kills one of the girl's boyfriends in the movie too. So it's not, it's not exclusively women that he murders, but like why, I guess, I don't know. Like, is there some sort of like weird, is there, is this like a misogyny comment too? Uh, because of course you don't sympathize with Michael at all. He's like a true psycho. He is a serial killer. Like there's something really fucking wrong with this guy. Like the doctor keeps saying, like, I looked in his eyes and I only saw evil. So like, there's no romanticizing him or like even trying to sympathize with him as a character as he like hunts women, I guess. Like, so that's weird. But I do, I think the fact that we don't know why he fixates on Lori makes him scarier than if she like, did something to him you know he just like picked an innocent person and was like you that's it that's spooky to me yeah i'll say that john carpenter directed the shit out of this movie some people have called this like simple dumb fun because there's kind of a story it's more of just a plot you know we don't know why he killed his sister we don't know why he's he's stalking these babysitters and it's pretty easy to give this movie like a really quick one sentence elevator pitch but I feel like he really understands the truly resonant scariness of the chase scenes. And that can't be dumb. And he's got a good coherent perspective on fear. And I, I definitely agree that once the monster in horror movies is revealed and you understand the motive, a lot of that fear 
dissipates. Like I remember watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre and it was scary. There's also not a lot of blood in that movie either. It's scary, but it's so it's such a far departure from where I lived in Peoria, Illinois at age 12. So it's it's really hard for me to be truly scared when it's like these kids that stumbled upon an estate in Travis County, Texas. Like that doesn't that doesn't really resonate with me. But the fact that this takes place in any town USA, that's where this movie takes place. And I feel like he did a really good job of portraying that. I've never watched this movie with such disdain for the set design and the decor, specifically with the foliage that Anna was talking about. That shit is ridiculous. It is like lush. The whole city is just like lush and beautiful and green. And there's like two scenes where there's some brown leaves that are that are blowing around and those scenes it looks really good but uh yeah it just totally takes me out of it i it's it's not an immersive experience whatsoever and then the other thing that i really like about uh michael myers is that he loves a dramatic kill like there's a scene where laurie goes into this bedroom and her best friend is is lying dead on a bed and at the head of the bed is a fucking tombstone that he dragged through the cemetery across town put it into his car drove to the house took the tombstone drug it up the stairs just for the effect of scaring Lori and he wasn't even around to enjoy it and then he kills another guy Bob he cuts two holes in the sheet puts the sheet on his head and then puts Bob's glasses over the sheet, over the eye holes. And it's just like, uh, that takes personality. That's like a sense of humor that I don't often give Michael Myers credit for. But the, the, the nitpicky thing for me that it makes it hard for the suspension of disbelief. There's a scene where she's looking out the window and she sees Michael on the, uh, standing outside right next to the laundry line and the camera shows Lori looking at the line and then it shows Michael and then it shows Lori looking at the line again she has not broken line of sight and then it shows the line again and he's gone and that bothers me because that means that she would have had to watch him walk away her concentration should have broken and then she looks back and he's gone she was staring at the same point the whole time and it was the camera that broke concentration. So did that bother anybody else? It probably didn't. But it's just another thing that I've that I've, I've never noticed before. You're so right. Michael Myers is such a drama queen. He loves the chase. But the whole thing with like the friend arranged on the bed with a tombstone. And then like, no, he didn't just like throw a bot, throw the bodies, the other bodies in the closet. He like rigs one up. So it's like hanging upside down from, I'm assuming like the clothing, like the pole in the closet, the, the rod that holds your clothes up, like a gymnast or something. <laughs> and then he shoves the other friend in like a cabinet. He's really had a flair for the dramatics and it's so silly. So every genre of books and movies, any kind of storytelling has some shit that you just accept. And it's because reasons, right? Because horror reasons. Well, when, I, when we watch other movies, we watch a lot of drama and I read a lot of romance. And it, there's just reasons that these things happen because it moves the story along and it's just because horror reasons. He did it because horror reasons. It makes no sense 
for this man with no personality would like rig this all up and like make it all dramatic, but he doesn't. And it's because horror reasons. And that's why he moves so fast, but doesn't move fast at all because horror reasons. Why were uh, the mental patients wandering around in the field like sheep in the rain? Because horror reasons. Why did the nurse dress like the stripper nurse from the office? Because horror reasons. These are just weird little characteristics, plot points, things that don't make any logical sense that you just, because reasons. And uh, that's all right. Like, whatever. You know, it's fine. I'm not looking for this to be like a perfect cinematic experience. But Michael Myers is a drama queen. And uh, I hope he continues to be dramatic in the future movies because I think it'd be funny. Like, I, I just hope he does. I don't know. That's what I hope for. I will say that even though each subsequent movie, some of them are better, each one adds something new to the Michael Myers story. And in other franchises like Friday the 13th, he's a boy that drowned because all the lifeguards and camp counselors were having sex. And so he wreaks havoc on cam counselors but that's it the story never grows the story never evolves we don't learn new things about jason it's just like how brutal can we kill teenagers like i remember a friday the 13th kill where he stabs a machete into the head of this kid in a wheelchair and then pushes the wheelchair down a hill and the wheelchair runs into a tree like that's really fucked up but that's why you watch those movies but these movies, they grow the story, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. The third one I I really like because it has nothing to do with Michael Myers. And it was John Carpenter directed this. It was supposed to be this like yearly anthology thing where every year another director makes a horror movie. And then another year, another one, and they call it Halloween. Nobody liked it, so they scrapped that. And the fourth one uh, is called The Return of Michael Myers. And uh, Paul Rudd is in that one. And he plays Tommy Doyle, who's the little boy from the first one. The other thing, I guess the laundry line is kind of like a nitpicky thing. And like you said, because horror reasons, because we have to get there. That's why we're going to do this. But at the end, after after Lori and Michael have had their first altercation, he comes up behind her with his knife, all Anthony Perkins, and he stabs down... And a little, sh- a little shred of her blouse rips down. And there's truly, it's like a teeny tiny prick of blood as if somebody just like took a diabetic lancet and like poked her in the shoulder and just a single drop of blood came down. And she ends up falling down the stairs. And I defended it at the time. I was like, I think Michael likes the chase. He wasn't trying to kill her. And I do still think that. I don't think he was actually trying to kill her because he's... Actually, he's not that effective of a killer. Yeah, he's not that effective of a killer. But if that's what they wanted to do, why don't we do this? He sneaks up behind her and he shoves her down the stairs because that's what happens anyway. And then that lets us know that he likes the chase because when he finally has him and he finally catches him, it's it's not really fun for him anymore. So he wants to like to keep it going. I also for the longest time thought that Michael and Lori were brother and sister. I think after I had seen it and then maybe like eight years went by and I sat down to watch it again, I remembered they're, they got to be related somehow because what's the, what's the story? And there is something to that, but you find out in subsequent movies. Ooh. Yeah. So, so be excited for that. But, um, I think probably the, my, my favorite, uh, let's think here. Yeah. I would say this is my favorite 
moment of the movie is that at the very end, after Michael has escaped and they're playing the music, they show these static shots of locations. Some are from the movie and then some are just like empty streets, the basement, the cellar, the room. They show like eight different abandoned locations. You just hear him breathing in the background and you hear his inhales and you hear his exhales and it like builds and builds and builds and then it just goes to black and it says Halloween. I think that's a really great showing of of letting us know that he's everywhere and nowhere. Also, he is truly impossible to kill because not only did Lori stab him in the stomach somewhere, she got him in the eye with a coat hanger. She got him in the neck with a sewing needle and then he's shot by the doctor like five times, falls out of a second story, uh, like off a second story terrace. And then he just like gets up and leaves in like under a minute. <laughs> what is this man made of? You know, is he wearing Kevlar under that farmer's jumpsuit that he stole off a man he murdered? So I, for one, am very excited to see how ridiculous they can make it as to why Michael survives every movie. How is he that hard to kill? I don't think it's a supernatural reason that's not one of those movies, but I want to see how many times Laurie tries to kill Michael and how many times he gets away because he's already been shot and stabbed. So what's next? What else you got? We're going to drown him, burn him, hang him, run over him with a car. I think all of the above probably. And I honestly have no idea, but I want to know what there's the black moment, the 80% altercation, the fight, I look forward to the different ways that Michael Myers is almost killed. Yeah. One of the things that is easy for me to suspend my disbelief about is when she stabs him with a... It's a knitting needle. It's a a sewing needle or whatever. It's a knitting needle. A knitting needle. needle, Michael Myers is an antagonist like nobody had ever seen before. So nobody really knew what to expect. And she stabs him with a needle And this is like an hour and 20 minutes into the movie. And that's the first time that anyone's even tried to fight back against him. So she stabs him and he goes down. So I'm sure that most people in the theater, I mean, they've never seen anything like that. They have no reason to believe that he's going to get back up. They know that it's been about 80 minutes. They don't know that it's going to be a franchise. They were probably like, shit, he probably is dead. I mean, you stabbed him with a fucking needle. Oh, and this was kind of interesting that... Jamie Lee Curtis has portrayed Laurie Strode throughout four different decades. Because this came out in 78. She was in Halloween 2. She's in Halloween H2O with Busta Rhymes. Just you wait for that. She's in Halloween Resurrection with LL Cool J. Can't wait. Yeah. So was this better than you thought it would be? If so, why? Was this scarier than you thought it would be if so why and did you have more fun watching this than you thought you would if so and why okay so is this better than i thought it would be i would yes it was better than i thought it would be i think in large part due to how well it was shot it was just a really nice viewing experience like you can tell how much effort went into making this movie look really good with the camera work alone and that paid off and like some of the lighting and stuff, that was really, it was good. That, that those elements were great. Was it scary? I did not think this movie was scary at all. <laughs> I wasn't scared at all. There was like, when she like finds her friend dead on the bed with the fucking tombstone and she backs into the closet door and the boyfriend like drops down, that made me jump cause I wasn't expecting it. But 
did not think this movie was scary at all. And I think the slow burn tension movies, they did a good job at that. And maybe it's just because you've had me watch some really fucking scary movies that like, I just am not that scared anymore. It takes more to scare me. And I have a more visceral response to the jump scares, which are in some ways like the cheap shots, but like frightening imagery and jump scares is a recipe for me to be very stressed out during the whole movie. Like The Conjuring and that crazy nun, those types really make me tense when I watch the movies and I get a true sense of fear. And she was scary enough, she got her own movie. So those types of things, and The Conjuring was really good. I will say The Conjuring was, was a good horror movie. But we also watched The Witch, which was a very, very slow burn of a movie. Lots of tension built throughout. And I didn't find that scary either. So I think I need, in order for me to be scared, I need some jump to be like, ooh, I need that. But I'm still excited to see where this goes. What was the third question that you asked? Was it more fun than you thought it would be? Yeah, it was fun. And I think a lot of that was for nostalgia. I did feel, you know, like the beginning of something. And it was the 70s. So I think especially as these go on, they will be more relevant to my own nostalgia tastes that, you know, as we go into the 80s and the 90s, you know, up until the recent ones, Buster Rhymes. I'm so excited. I didn't know that he was in one. That sounds freaking awesome. I'm so excited. Uh, so yeah, he punches Michael right in the face. I'm thrilled <laughs> and LL Cool J. I'm thrilled. All of that sounds amazing. I can't wait to see that because this, it was fun to watch. I was not scared at all, but it was fun and I can have fun again with these. And maybe as they go on, they'll get scarier and maybe, you know, just, I'm a modern horror viewer. I don't have a long, uh, history with the genre so maybe as we get to the new ones, because there was just one a couple years ago, right? That You were all excited about that movie. Maybe those will feel scary to me. I thought The Conjuring was scary. It didn't like give me nightmares or keep me up at night. But then again, The Exorcist really scared the shit out of me. I was like 12 when I watched it, but that was a terrifying movie. So was Rosemary's Baby. And that's a slow burn. So I don't know. I got to figure out exactly what it is that scares me about these things. But anyway, those are your answers. I'm looking forward to the next one. I really like the fun horror movies. I think the best example, the one that really rejuvenated the genre was Scream. And that movie was so much fun to watch. The Exorcist, not so much. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, not so much. Another one I found scary was The Haunting of Bly Manor. That was great. And I know that was gothic. It was like a the gothic. First one. Oh, wait. Yeah. What was the Haunting first one? Of Hill House. Haunting of Hill House. That scared the shit out of me. And you and I were just like stressed out on the couch, but it was so much fun. There was great, that was an amazing balance of story and jump scares and emotion and heart. And Haunting of Hill House was way scarier, but Haunting of Bly Manor still had some spooky elements and I love the gothic feel of that one. But yes, The Haunting of Hill House, I know is a Netflix show, it's not a movie, but that was a great, great horror story that scared me a lot but it was also it was beautiful so yeah i feel like there's a big difference between suspense and dread and i guess dread is more of just like the atmosphere when you know something is wrong and you see these characters and you just have a bad hunch that something is not going to go right but when you know like halloween did this at the very end it shows jamie lee curtis looking towards the camera And everything in the background is blurred out, 
but you can see Michael lying there and you know he's going to sit up and then he does and then he starts moving towards her. Yeah, the way that he does it and when you see something happening in real time that the main character doesn't, I don't know what the technique would be for that, but that happened all the time in Haunting of Hill House when a character would be doing something in the foreground and then something in the background that was like blurred out that you thought was a coat rack all of a sudden starts to move and it's a figure and it's like doing actions behind the main character. That is like, that's some next level shit that like I eat that up like nothing. Yes, that scares. That's the ultimate scare trick for me and I get all freaked out and I can't watch it. Yes. Yeah, and another one that really scared me. I don't think it scared you as much because I pushed it so fucking hard on you, but it was It Follows. And that was one that didn't have a lot of jump scares, but it just had like some some fucked up imagery that just kind of stuck with me. But this is one of those horror movies that I will always love. And you ask like a 40-year-old how they feel about this movie, like, oh, I love it. It's the scariest movie I've ever seen. Because they saw it when they were 12 and it scared the shit out of them because they saw it way too early and they haven't seen it since. But it's immortalized in their mind and I think that's fine. And it's not immortalized in my mind. I'm, I'm, you know, we've been kind of like nitpicking all of these goofy flaws and inconsistencies and I love it. I look forward to watching it again. Might not be with you. Probably will be by myself. I found an old DVD uh, 25th anniversary. Now it's been like 35 years since it's been released and it was it was a beautiful presentation and they're all available for free on youtube just a little plug for youtube if you'd like to watch any of them do you have anything else to say i feel like we should like close it up somehow i guess my final thoughts would be that i'm glad i started this journey with you and I look forward to 11 more movies of this. Only 10 now. Only 10 now. Are you counting the one that comes out this year? Because we'll have to see that too. That'll be 12. Okay, so we do have 11 more movies ahead of us. I hope they get scarier for me. Because I do like this the thrill of a horror movie. And this was fun, but I want to be like scared. So, and maybe that's because... I just, I need more as a modern horror viewer. It takes more to scare me because it's 2021. And we have seen some real messed up shit in movies. And it takes a little more to get us like these did in the 70s and 80s. So, but I'm excited. We'll see. I can't wait to see the LL Cool J and the Busta Rhymes one. I'm really, really excited about that. Yeah, I I forgot to mention that John Carpenter cast Jamie Lee Curtis. This was her feature film debut. And it was his ultimate tribute to Alfred Hitchcock because Jamie Lee Curtis's mother is Janet Lee, who starred in Psycho, oh. which was kind of which was really fun that we never really talked about. And um, one of the my favorite horror tropes that was invented in this movie is called the Final Girl. But the Final Girl is a trope that refers to the last girl, and it's almost always a girl in slasher movies that's left alive, and she is left to confront the killer. And kind of like tell the story of what happened. But it's kind of like the oh shit, here we go. Let's do this moment. And I really like that in Halloween. I thought she did a really clever job. She like opened up the window and then went and hid in the closet. That's clever. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching these 11 films. Some of them are maybe a bit cringy. Some of them are a lot more scary than this one. But I think they're all a lot of fun to watch. And I look forward to doing that. As always, you can find us on our Facebook page. You can leave a request for 
movie for us to do um, and you can find us on SoundCloud or anywhere you get your podcasts so until next time I'm Jimmy I'm Anna and this is Movie Show Theater 